everybody, and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and here we are with our big movie episode of 2022, our top films of the year. Here to break that down with me is my brother, Steven. Uh, Stevie, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, well, I'm sick, sort of, but aside from that, I'm doing great. I was going to say, besides the cold, I suppose. Um, so yeah, I know. I, I feel like we talked about this a couple times, but uh, you know, it's been a year. Uh, what's the what's the state of movies these days? Oh man, state of movies. Uh, I will say, I feel like um, the stream of movies coming out is almost back to where we were pre-COVID. I feel like there's a lot of good stuff coming out, which is great. Um, but you know, in the wake of COVID, we've got so many movies that are coming to streaming right away, which I can't complain about because it's very convenient. It's very nice. But as you can attest to, it's kind of prevented us from going to the movies as often as we used to. So yeah, I feel like you and I are still trying to catch up on that. I've gone to, you know, quite a few. I've done better this year, but still want to still wish. And I don't know if I ever will get back to I feel like we used to go like once or twice every week, which is crazy. But I know. It was. It was a. It was a weird. Well, it wasn't weird. It was the. I think we called it the Halcyon days. Yeah, uh, it was our uh, golden age. Uh huh. And that was. I mean, that was during Movie Pass, but it was also a bit of uh, AMC A list too of just yeah. getting that those three movies. And, and you know, we still. I know I still try, and I think I did it once this year of like a triple header where you can get all three of them in one week. But I used to. Man, it's you get that bug every once beginning of the week. You're like, oh, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go watch them all, and then it, it is. It's it's a with everything else that's going on in our lives. It's it's tricky to, especially with show times, right? Like, I, yeah. I honestly, that has been the biggest deterrent for me. Uh, is just you know some of these movies. It's like, oh, I want to go see this, and then I look at the show times, and it's like, oh, well, none of those work for me, so yeah. I go see it. But streaming is easy because you can do it whenever you want. Right. So that's. Yeah, because there's all these movies that I'd love to see in theaters, and by the time I check to see when they're playing, it might be just one theater, like Highlands Ranch, far away from us. Mm -hmm. Or at that time, you know, maybe it's going to be on streaming the next week. So when I got to balance that, it's like oh, I'll just wait. Yeah, unfortunate, it's, but the movies it, are good. I'd say we're we're getting back to some high quality movies. Yeah, and you know, it's been fun now too with the amount of streaming services that we have because I. Uh, I kind of upped the ante for our family this year, getting uh, Paramount Plus and Peacock on top of all of the others. And now you can kind of look at a movie and uh, look and see who the who it's being produced by or who the distribu distributor is, right? Like if it's a, you know, if it's a Paramount movie, you know it's coming to Paramount Plus, so you don't have to stress as much about missing that one in theaters or something that's made by Universal coming to Peacock, sort of thing. But you're right, the. I think the movie slate this year was much stronger than last year. Uh, and it's looking like it's going to be even stronger next year. Yeah. It looks like we're, we're finally starting to bounce back, which is great. Um, I just hope that we on a personal level can bounce back a bit to our movie, our movie theater going. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, so what we're going to do is we will talk about our, we'll have top, 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 uh, top 10 plus three honorable mentions. So uh, I will let you start first uh, with your first honorable mention. Uh, nope, I don't think I will. Whoa. Just kidding. My first honorable mention is going to be Nope. That you didn't see that coming. I did. That's, that is pretty surprising. <laughs> yeah, so uh, as I'm sure everyone knows, Nope is the latest Jordan Peele movie. 
he goes in more of a sci-fi direction with this one than the horror one of the past. There's still some horror aspects to it, but felt a bit more sci-fi. And I really enjoyed it. It was I thought it was a great movie. It's didn't quite pack the punch that his last two did. Certainly not the sort of societal or political commentary that those had. But still a really cool premise. The sci-fi aspect of it was really interesting. Uh, I kind of wish it had amounted to more for me, just because I love the last two he did um, a bit more than this one, but still a solid Gordon Peele movie. Nice. Yeah, this was actually, you know, when we're looking at my my top list of the year, I've got like 30 movies on here. And so the my three honorable mentions, the one that is would be my fourth honorable mention was also Nope. Uh, and I, I felt the same exact way as you. It it didn't pack that same punch as the other two movies, but I was still able to enjoy it by itself. It was yeah. a really cool sort of, I liked the message of uh, spectacle and, you know, everyone always trying to sensationalize everything, but I was waiting for that big gut punch and it never really came, yeah. um, but it did make it bad. Oh no. Yeah. Still really good. There were a lot of, I mean, cinematography was fantastic. Oh, I loved yeah. all the stuff with the, uh, the chimpanzee and the flashbacks yeah. to that film set that was amazing but yeah it just didn't really ultimately amount to as much as i hoped it would but still mm-hmm. a great great watch yeah if this is him falling off uh i'm excited to see what more he can do and how yeah, many more tell, him, tell him that he fell off because he needed that that's right uh okay my uh, my number three honorable mention is uh it's a netflix film all quiet on the western front this is a uh a remake of the uh film from i think that shoot that was back in the early 1920s right or something i it's all it's an oldie for sure yeah definitely uh was ripe for a remake and uh, it had been a long time since I'd seen that movie, so I, I went in here kind of blind. Obviously, I knew what this movie was about uh, in terms of it just being absolutely bleak, and uh, that's what it was. And so that's that's honestly why I really liked it. It was it was obviously that same parable about you know war is hell and there are no winners, and except for obviously like the rich or those in power, which they do a really good job of showing throughout the film. Um, but yeah, I just I I wasn't expecting a lot from it. I was expecting it to just be a Netflix seven, and uh, there was a lot of the cinematography, the music, the uh, um, would it be the production design? I guess like the, there was a lot of color in areas where there didn't need to be, uh, which I really liked. Nice, and I I think I've seen the original. I'm not entirely sure, but I didn't get around to seeing this one yet. It's a good one, and hey, it's free. It's on Netflix, so it's free. I like your description of the Netflix seven. I feel like there's quite a few movies that fit in that category. Yeah. Right now, Netflix, Netflix has the Netflix six, the Netflix seven, and then anything above that is like, holy cow, I love this movie because you're so used to either being like, eh, this movie was whatever. It's a classic Netflix movie or this movie yeah. was good, but it's just, it's you know, just hitting content. all the right boxes that, you know, they're there. Yep. All right. What's your next honorable mention? All right. My next honorable mention and Alex, this is an interesting one. You're probably going to be a little uh, irked by this. This is the only superhero movie that's going to make my list. And it is The Batman. Ooh. Yeah, so I think my fourth honorable mention would have been the Thor movie, which I did kind of like. Mm-hmm. Solid, but um, Batman's coming in here at the second honorable mention for me. Uh, it was did a, you get to go see that in theaters? I think I think I did. 
Wow, I can't remember at this point. I thought I did though. I I because I know we definitely <laughs> watched it streaming. No. Ah, man, that's a. It's a sign of the time. Yeah, I I hate that I don't know the answer to this, but uh, I really I enjoyed it for what it was. It wasn't. I feel like a lot of people were trying to compare it and say, "Oh, it's as good as, if not better than the the Dark Knight movies or whatever." And I'm like, "Hang on a minute. Let's let's not get ahead of ourselves." But it was solid. I think everyone did a good job with it. Uh, Robert Pattinson did a good job. I thought Colin Farrell was completely unrecognizable as the Penguin. He killed mm-hmm. that. And yeah, it was just it was a solid a solid entry in the never ending pantheon of superhero movies. Uh you you know that I'm kind of fatigued with the whole enterprise, but I don't know. It was there were aspects of it that felt well done. And it I don't know. Were you bothered <laughs> by the runtime? Uh it was it was long, but it wasn't too long, I don't think. And yeah, I mean it, it felt more consistently serious and that like i don't i don't need everything to be doom and gloom in these movies obviously but so many of the superhero movies that i'm used to hint hint coming from marvel there's there's like levity injected all the time which i understand why you do that it makes it more entertaining and reaches a wider audience but this one kind of felt you know in the way that the the nolan films did that it was almost more just a crime drama and you know, it got into the sort of Batman as a detective situation, mm-hmm. which was cool. So I, I really liked that aspect of it. You know, him working with Commissioner Gordon. Oh, and Paul Dano as the Riddler was crazy. He did a oh, yeah. fantastic job. He always does. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's really the strength of those those actors inhabiting these roles is kind of what tipped this over the edge for me. Yeah, I would agree. Strong, very strong cast, strong, you know, cinematography, strong d- direction for sure. Uh, and definitely different than a lot of the uh, the other superhero movies that came out this year. I'll talk a little bit more about that as we uh, we climb the list. And going back through my uh, my tickets on my phone, it looks like I did see this in theaters. <laughs> oh, nice, good. Okay, yeah, all the way that back was definitely that was so... a good movie theater movie. Yeah, man, that opening of him punching the people in the face is was great. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, cool. So, all right, my uh, my second honorable mention is. Uh, another, well, it's not a superhero movie, but to some it might be. It's uh, Top Gun Maverick. The uh, This movie was at the bottom of my list uh, in Air Force terms, or I guess they're in the Navy. Uh, this was not on my radar for the year. I, uh, <laughs> I Wait, was they're in not... the Navy, not the Air Force? Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure they're in the Navy because they, uh... wait. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're Navy pilots. Okay. Yeah, because they, they fly off of the aircraft carrier versus off of land. I think that's like one of the trivia bits. It's, it's not the... Uh, let me double check. I'm going to have to double check now because I know I we're going to do a, a Top Gun Space Force movie. Ooh, now that would be... I think they talked about that, that he said he wanted to go into space. Top Gun Navy. Let me see. Uh, yeah, it's, it's Navy Fighter Weapons School. So it is the Navy. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought this was this to me. Um, there's certain movies that I love just because I, you know, like a Marvel movie. I, I, there, there's a good chance <laughs> that I'm gonna like those movies, 
And, uh, you know, there's a chance that I might not like them too, but there's, there's different criteria that I'm rating movies on. There's, there's really two different sets. And it's like the movie on its own, how is this film, you know, all the different aspects of it. But then the second piece of it is how is the movie going experience itself? Sure. And Top Gun is, was one of the best movie going experiences because of the way the movie was. So when I look at that movie, um, very basic, basic plot. I mean, you could argue that it, it almost is ripping off Star Wars A New Hope and that the entire film is them just practicing these flight runs to do a bombing, which they do at the very end. Um, and, and, you know, classic Tom Cruise. It's got all of the callbacks to the original Top Gun, which I'm not a huge fan of. I was more of a Hot Shots guy. I think you were too. <laughs> of uh, course. Which I did watch after watching Top Gun, and I was like, nice, I needed oh, this. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but in terms of, like, sitting there in the theater, I mean, I, I said it on my review, but, like, to hear grown men, you know, I, I was always under the impression these grown people who cheer in theaters, that that was specific to just, like, Marvel movies, maybe another type of superhero movie. But to hear, like, grown adults who are, you know, even older uh, cheering in this movie that's when I knew that this was really special because, you know, it, it just showed me that there's a swath of, of audience members that are not getting what they want from the theater in terms sure. of insane flights, that military, uh, you know, as much as we always say, we're not fans of the military industrial complex you know, in film. Uh, it's awesome. And I think there's a huge audience there that loves it. And, and this felt like it, like the, just everything about it, was I saw it on the big screen and then saw it again with Lisa and she loved it too. Um, so yeah, I, I put it as an honorable mention again. There's a lot of movies that came out that I liked more than this uh, overall, but I had to put it on here just for that movie going experience. It was so fun seeing it in theaters. Yeah. And I still have not seen this. I like you, I it's low on my list and even, even with your praise, but based on your praise, I was, I'm not surprised to hear that it's on your list. I, honestly thought it might have been in your top 10 but i i think it's interesting that in a year where a new avatar movie comes out i do think top gun maverick was the event movie of the year more so than way of the water just because like you said it it drew like abnormally large crowds it ran for so long everybody was loving it i feel like that was the big event movie for this year yeah and you know time time will tell if avatar takes that spot too because I was looking at the box office uh, for the week and, you know, typically a movie drops like 30 to 50% in ticket sales week over week. Avatar did not drop at all mm. and uh, made roughly the same, if not a little more than it did the week prior. So there's a chance that this Avatar is going to capture that again, but you're right. I mean, it was number, Top Gun was number one for like way longer than any movie has been and then they also re-released it a couple of times but it's on paramount plus now so if you've got the paramount plus login you can't watch it good to know mm -hmm. all right your, your final honorable mention final final honorable mention for me is going to be the last movie i saw in theaters last year and that is the whale Ooh, okay. Whale is that uh brendan fraser movie uh about a He's a, a teacher, sort of a Skype teacher, English teacher, who's really struggling with his weight. And um, he's, the movie's kind of about him trying to reconnect with his daughter because he, you know, due to how unhealthy he is, he realizes he's nearing the end of his life. And it's, I mean, it's just a, it's a pretty basic drama. And part of that is, you know, he's he's so big, he can't really leave his apartment or his house. So 
So the whole thing kind of takes place in there, which in itself is kind of cool. There's not a whole lot of characters. It's really just him and the people that actually visit him since he's stuck there. But, you know, the big the big wallop for this film is his performance. Brendan Fraser kills it. And it's sort of a comeback for him. I know everybody's been kind of loving his press tour surrounding this and just seeing a redemption arc after all the horrible things that's kind of kind of happened to him in his journey as an actor. Uh, it's cool to see him getting the recognition for this one. I think he totally is in contention and should be in contention for Oscars and stuff. Uh, he was just, you know, he's a, it's cool. The guy in the movie that he plays, you know, despite all the awful things, you know, with his health and his family, he's just a really positive, loving guy. And yeah, I, I it's, I don't want to give too much of it away as you know, the devil's in the details on this one, just all the different interactions and things that come up, but it's a cool movie. I really enjoyed it. Nice. Very, yeah. Uh, very I, moving. I really wanted to see it, but haven't gotten a chance to yet, but I'm, I'm really glad for your review. I will say the one thing that had been bumming me out was just this, <laughs> this whole idea of the, the Frasier Renaissance and, um, just how sad it is that, you know, for most of these people, it's because they made a mistake and are coming back from that mistake. And in this one, Brendan Fraser did absolutely nothing wrong. So he's, it's not necessarily him coming back more so than Hollywood finally appreciating him the way that they should, right. uh, which is nice to see. And I, I do hope he gets some, I know he got uh, nominated for a Golden Globe, but honestly, I hope more so than the awards, I hope this gets him out more and he's in, we see him in more movies going forward. And then the words of, you know, Tim Heidecker and Greg Turkington, I think this one might get him to Oscar gold. Ooh, I like that. But yeah, it's a it's a really powerful movie about it. I mean, there's really not very many movies that I see about um, weight problems or like eating disorders. And this kind of is it is an eating disorder movie. Um, so there's there's some really interesting pieces to this movie that will will definitely get you in the heart, get you in the gut. It's, it's really good. Nice. Awesome. All right. My final honorable mention is, uh, it's three letters. R, R, R. Rise, roar, and revolt. Uh, I loved this movie. And the only reason, the only reason this movie is not in my top 10 is because I had to watch it dubbed and there's no way to watch it in the original. Uh, I always forget what the, the language it just starts with a T, uh, but the uh, the original language. So the dubbing kind of threw me off while I was watching it just because it does not match up with their voices. But this movie is incredible. And I know you saw it too. Uh, long movie. It's about as long as Avatar. It flies by some of the best action scenes uh, that I've ever seen. Uh, some of the coolest moments, the emotion in it was high, great dance numbers. It's a uh, kind of a revisionist history, so to speak, a historical fiction about uh, some people, uh, two gentlemen in India who are, um, they're actually real historical figures that never actually met. But in this movie, they meet and they basically take down the British rule uh, in that area, trying to save a girl. Uh, which was really cool, uh, and I know you saw it too, so maybe unless you've got it somewhere on your list as well. But I, I thought RRR was awesome. It's available on Netflix, and I think it's just due to the different languages, the different rules in other countries that we haven't gotten the actual uh, language yet, but I'm hopeful one day we will, and then I'll watch it again and change my rating. 
Yeah, and this Alex, you couldn't have picked a better time to mention this because my number ten on my list. Oh, perfect. Talking about is RRR as well, and uh, yeah, I I echo the sentiments you're saying. The action was crazy. I Bollywood, and this is not Bollywood. I want to make sure this is technically Tollywood because, like you said, this is a different language. It's a different sort of film subsection in yeah, and I'll find it while you're talking. But in in the sort of tradition of Bollywood films, this has a lot of you know, it's got a little bit of everything. There's you know, there's a dance and musical number, there's a lot of crazy action, there's a lot of you know, really heart wrenching emotion. And I think India in general, all the films that I've seen, they do a great job balancing those different aspects. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is three hours and it was one that I think I had to watch over Fan of, I think two days. Maybe I watched it in halves, but yeah, there's there's so many different things that you can grasp in the movie that it, it can it keeps you in your seat even for that runtime. And the musical numbers were effective, even as jarring as that might be to someone like us, you know, people in the you know, American film industry, Hollywood. We're not really used to that, just in all movies. But it's cool. Mm-hmm. And it, the uh, the language is Telugu. T-E-L-U-G-U, which is a uh, Dravidian language spoken by Telugu people predominantly living in the Indian states of Andhra Pradesh and Telangana. Gotcha. Uh, 75 million people speak it, so we got to make sure we say it right. Yeah, so, yeah, and I think when I started on Netflix, for some reason the default for me started it, dubbing it in Portuguese, which made no sense. Interesting. And I was like, this isn't right. <laughs> so I switched it to, I think Hindi was the option on there. Mm-hmm. which, you know, watching it, I didn't realize that that wasn't the correct language. And I, I feel like I noticed the dubbing being a little bit off, but um, part of that I think is just funny when I see it in a lot of these Indian films and Bollywood films too. There's When they have characters who speak English, or like, it, you know what it reminded me of was Squid Game, when you had the uh, the sort of American guys and they had the very weird voices that sounded like Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a, there was a bit of that in this one too with the British characters, and I I kind of like that because it it uh, it makes it easier for you to hate hate them because they're bad guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I think too because from what I remember reading up on this, even the Hindi version, the same actors did it in Hindi, but it still doesn't match up to what they said because they were saying it in a different language anyway. So it's like it's the same people saying it. It's just, again, you're not going to get it synced up with their voices because right. it's a different language, which is interesting. Right. But yeah, awesome movie. The last thing I want to say here is, yeah. I, you know, Queen Elizabeth has been real quiet since this movie dropped. Ooh, that's, uh, hold on, that's a call out, I'd say. We'll wait, we'll wait for that, uh, the response from the crown. <laughs> mm, that is. I wonder if she got to see it. We'll see. Uh, who knows? Hopefully Charles saw it. Uh, okay, so that was your number 10. Uh, so yep. that's a, what a perfect segue. I love that. Uh, okay, my number 10 was uh, The Woman King. This was a uh, Gina Prince Blythewood movie, uh, which I kind of fell in love with her this year because I also got uh, Love and Basketball from the Criterion Collection. And uh, that movie was incredible. And so it was really cool to see you know, a movie that she had made back in the 90s and then now a movie, you know, almost 30 years later um, to kind of see some of those similarities. But the movie itself was awesome. It, you know, details this group of women warriors in Africa who uh, are led by, um, 
kind of their queen, but she's the the woman king, and that's Viola Davis. Uh, but all it, it all it rhymed, reminded me a lot of not necessarily Wakanda, but just from the sense of you know this. It's like a cloistered small nation that has a very. It reminded me of Sparta, where the the heavy focus and where they put most of their praise is on these warrior women and warriors in general, uh, versus like the king himself, which is. Uh, uh, John Boyega, he's very, you, you know, he doesn't, he's got banker's hands, so to speak. And uh, so it, it, but it was cool. The fight scenes were insane. The, uh, just the, the way that they treated their people was really interesting. Um, I know there was a lot of controversy around the movie too, because these, this group of Africans actually trafficked slaves for a while during that time too. And I, I mean, I'm sure back then they would have just shared the gif of Flintstone saying it's a living because, uh, you know, everybody did it back in the day. But uh, obviously that got a lot of people really upset of, oh, you know, you you brushed over this in the movie. It's like, watch the movie. (laughs) It's not just about that. It's about all these other things. But it was really cool. I was fully engrossed in it. I haven't seen it since I saw it again in theaters. And that's the only reason I have it at a 10 and not higher. Um, Is just because, you know, I rewatch value. I don't know if I'll see it again. I probably will at some point. Um, once it's on sale on 4K, but um, for now that's that's where it's at. But it was good. It was a really good movie. The production design was awesome too. The the sets were just you felt like you were in Africa, which is really cool. Yeah, and I uh, I, I know I've seen a lot of praise of this one, and I I think from you too. I know you've mentioned it a lot this year. I've not seen this one though, but definitely on my list because. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's been tough for me to keep up with all the releases this year. It really has. And the problem too is like all these other extra movies we try fitting in, like you know the seven new ones Netflix probably added today, and all of that. It's like you know they're taking you away from the actual good movies because half of those it's like, ooh, I want this movie to be really good, and then yeah. it isn't. But then this was one where it was the the opposite. I was like, well, you know, I'm not too sure about it. We'll see, and and ended up really liking it. Also has probably one of the best twists of the year in it. So that. Uh, tickles your fancy at all. Uh, okay, what do you have for number nine? So number nine for me is, uh, speaking of Netflix movies, this is uh, The Good Nurse. Ooh. Uh, it's just sort of a uh, a crime drama, if you will, starring uh, two heavy hitter actors, Jessica Chastain and Eddie Redmayne. Uh, it's a pretty simple story. It just kind of follows. This is a based on a true story for sure. It's a nurse who's sort of secretly killing people in the hospital by injecting insulin into IV bags. And weird. Yeah. So this is again, this is something that actually happened, and I feel like it might have even re- recurred again. I think mom was telling me about a doctor doing something like this in Texas too. Interesting. But, uh, it's a yeah, really. There's there's some line I think in the trailer about how he's killing people without even touching them, which is crazy, because you know as a nurse you're left in that position of care, and to do something like that is just it's wild. And uh, part of it was that you know he was kind of able to hop around to different hospitals because nobody could really prove what he was doing, or they they might have just dismissed him for other reasons or whatever, and other places just need nurses so they're willing to hire him and i don't think the confirmed number of how many people he killed is ever i don't think the number has been confirmed mm-hmm. i think at the end they give you some estimate and it's kind of shocking i can't remember what it was but uh as far as the movie goes it was you know it was simple it wasn't a whole lot unexpected but uh really well done good performances 
a great suspense building movie because I'm pretty sure right away, whether you watch the trailer or not, they established pretty early that this is the bad guy, that he is doing something. And, you know, the, the delight is sort of, or the suspense comes in seeing how they're going to catch him or how oh, he's sure. figure out what's going on. Yeah, I've got that on my watch list, but I uh, haven't watched it yet. But I will I will watch that here in the next few days then. Yeah, really cool movie. And I saw, I think, Eddie Redmayne got nominated for an Oscar, or for a Golden Globe from it. Yeah, no surprise to me there. He does a good, really good job. Um, I love Jessica Chastain, too. I feel like she's oh, always, yeah. every movie she does is worth watching in my mind. Yeah, I completely agree with you. She had some good. She's been on a roll lately of the the roles that she's been taking. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. All right. Number nine for me is um, this is an interesting one. Um, I know you'd seen it as well. I've got Turning Red at number nine from Pixar. Uh, there are Pixar movies that I find really enjoyable, and there are Pixar movies that are really fun. Uh, and then there are Pixar movies that hit me in the feels that I watch way more than the other Pixar movies. Um, good example of that being like Luca from last year. Um, loved Luca. And I I would put Turning Red right in that same category of just the storyline was amazing. Obviously, the animation was impeccable, but you had a great soundtrack. The uh, comedy in it was like the, the script was very well written. I, many of the jokes landed for me. It was kind of in that time frame of when we grew up as well, of just the early 2000s. You know, obviously we weren't as obsessed with boy bands, but there was a very similar, very similar things in terms of getting excited about certain things and hanging out with your friends and just going through, you know, growing up and all of that. Uh, and and dealing with your parents as well. Obviously, I don't think ours were as crazy as uh, Mei Mei's um, parents, but her mom. But uh, but it was still really cool. And again, like I said, I just I, I watched it a couple of times because I was like, even after the first time, I immediately I almost I think I watched it the next day because I was like, I need to see that again just because I love Asian culture and um, seeing it on display here and really cool for it to be in a Canadian setting as well. Um, there's just there's a lot of creativity in this one for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. I liked this movie. I f- I feel like the a lot of the boy band stuff really took it out of me. Like I I I understand that. I relate to it. I guess having kind of grown up in that era. But you know, there's a really good story being told about sort of generational trauma and cultural mm-hmm. expectations. But I feel like at times that was dwarfed by this whole I just want to go to the boy band concert. Which, granted, it's a Pixar movie. I know it's got to appeal to different audiences uh but there's you know there's another movie we'll be talking about later that i think did a better job delivering some of those uh themes than this one but still pretty good yeah absolutely and i know for a fact we will talk about that one i would say the difference between this and that that movie is from an adult's perspective dealing with it and this one's from a child's perspective in terms of if i was a kid i would much rather go to a boy band concert than deal with my family so i but i totally see what you're saying that makes sense so that brings us to number eight, yeah? Mm-hmm, yes. So eight for me is uh, Crimes of the Future. This Whoa! Is a Cronenberg movie, right? Yeah. Uh, this is a cool, very cool, I would call this adult sci-fi. Um, not for being, you know, super racy or anything, even though it kind of is, but more so just in the way that it's it's just kind of an adult drama that's set in this bizarre sci-fi world. Kind of like a only lovers left alive sort of thing, but yeah, really cool sci-fi premise of you know this future where uh, there are I think it's certain people that 
are able to regrow organs or the human body is like developing new organs through evolution. And there's one particular guy who's, whose body's like growing new organs constantly. And as a result, he's turned his, his affliction, if you'd call it that into a performance art thing where his, his wife or his partner, whoever it is, is a surgeon that will um, sort of theatrically remove these new organs that he's growing. It's very bizarre. I mean, even yes. describing it, I, I'm, it's even crazier than I thought. But there's this other subplot about you know, this community of people that's trying to go into this utopian, dystopian thing. Um, kind of hard to explain, but I just thought it was a very cool movie. Again, interesting sci-fi premise. Nothing too crazy, nothing too ridiculous. It very much felt like a... I mean, if you're going to believe for a second that this organ growing stuff is possible everything else felt very realistic very lived in it wasn't a movie that spent a whole lot of time explaining things it was just like this is the world as we know it here's a movie about it and i i thought it was cool it was a nice little watch yeah and if, uh, for those of you out there that are not fans of asmr uh, you may want to fast forward through a couple of scenes where our main character has to eat out of a bone chair that uh, shakes him around and you get to hear weird little sounds that did not work for me at all. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Oh my goodness. But yes, no, I, I not on my list. I was not as big a fan of it as you were, but I will not deny the creativity of that movie. I was yeah. very impressed with that. I Exactly as you said it, like not only was this a sci-fi movie, but it really did feel like, like there were parts of it where I was just, I started getting confused while I was watching it. And I sometimes actually like that because for me, it's and you too, right? Like it's very easy for us to figure out movies. We've seen a lot of movies. Right. And this one just felt really hard to follow at times because Cronenberg uh, is just one and all the actors are 100% in on this movie. So there's no like, oh, let me catch you up on what you missed. It's like we're going to throw you right in the middle of this future that uh, there's like six different weird new things about this future and you'll figure them out as the movie goes on. And I, I like that aspect of it. Yeah, a lot of movies have that, that exposition dump, as they call it, like right at the beginning right. of the movie in some form or another. Well, there's there's no supervillain to give you that dump. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, great performances. You know, Kristen Stewart, um, Mads, no, not Mads Mikkelsen. What's this? It's um, Ego Mortensen. Ego Mortensen, yeah. And He was great. And uh, Leah Saito. Yep. Yeah. Very good movie, though. Mm-hmm. Very enjoyable. Nice. All right. My numero ocho is Pearl. Uh, which I think I I think is on your list as well. Um, Pearl was uh, such an amazing movie. And again, this was one of those lightning in a bottle type moments that I I pray for each and every year, because I know that there's a handful of movies each year that I'm either going to love to death or at least, you know, like the Marvel movies or, you know, for example, next year, we've got like the Transformers Beast Wars movie. I'm probably going to be all in on that movie, at least in terms of excitement. But there's I'm always looking for like, what's that movie that I'm not excited about that I'm going to watch and then immediately be like, whoa, this was yeah. awesome. Pearl was one of those movies. Um, I'd seen X. I borrowed that from you and I really liked it. Uh, but there was nothing really that special about it besides it being like it was a good movie. Um, but then Pearl took things just to a completely different level, which is essentially a prequel of the old lady that's in this movie. And I think part of the reason I love this so much is I watched all the special features afterwards too. And just learning at how they, they filmed a lot of this while they were on the X set um, that, you know, that uh, uh, Mia Goth re- helped write it. Like she, she helped craft the, 
um, the kind of the character. She really dug into who Pearl was. Uh, and again, just that idea of a continuing universe is always something that I'm a fan of. So having a horror movie dive into that uh, was really cool. And then the movie itself was just really good. The the beginnings of a, uh, a murderer or of a serial killer and just having to live during that time. I loved all the call outs to uh, kind of the pandemic era of the late or early 1920s. Right. Which was really cool. The projectionist was really cool. Uh, or just that whole, you know, she had a theory in the special features that the pro- projectionist doesn't exist, that the projectionist is a uh, a thing in her head, which I was just like, man, like, that's when you know these these people love what they're doing, that they're creating this kind of canon in their head that they don't exactly explain in the movie. Uh, but yeah, like I said, this was, again, one of those fresh films that I, and it's an A24 film, so, you know, Cert- those are the... Certified fresh? Uh, I think so. I, I would certify it fresh, yeah, absolutely. No, no rotten tomatoes on this one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, if you want, I, I can save my thoughts on Pearl till I get to it. On my yeah, list. that's fine. Okay, but yeah, I really enjoyed that one too. Uh, next for me, this is my number seven now, is uh, another horror movie. It's uh, Barbarian. Ooh, okay. I know we watched. I watched it a second time with you and Harry. I really enjoyed this movie. It's, it's one that, you know, you start with a certain horror premise that right away. I mean, it's creepy enough on its own. Just the idea of you you get to your Airbnb and there's somebody else staying there and you end up having to share it with the stranger. That in itself is creepy and you can already, your mind's already going to conjure up a hundred different possible or scenarios just from that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, within the first 25, 30 minutes of this movie, whatever, uh, the movie takes a very unexpected turn. I would never, I would never dare spoil what it is because it's so out there and so crazy. And then suddenly you're shifted entirely to a whole other narrative thread, whole different character. And, you know, eventually that ties back to this bizarre twist that we encountered. And yeah, I, again, this is a movie where I don't, I don't want to give anything away because it's best to go into blind just because of how unexpected and uh, just shocking some of the stuff that happens in this movie is. Yeah. But I thought it was a really cool premise. And you know the acting was solid, and I think I think it was directed by uh, one of the actors from The Whitest Kids You Know, which is a a sort of a sketch comedy show that we used to love. So that was cool to see because he definitely brings some humor to this movie. Uh, it's not super overt, but there's definitely moments to laugh at throughout. But surprisingly, pretty scary just because of how unexpected some of these things are. Oh yeah, and then at the same time. You know, where a lot of other horror movies depend on jump scares, this one didn't as much in the sense that you got to see exactly what the uh, the horror was and just kind of let that linger. As you know, it's kind of inevitable. Yeah, it uh, that definitely it took me by surprise when we watched it, for sure. It was not at all what I expected. Uh, and I really liked it as well. It didn't make my list, but um, I completely agree with you. I think the the risks that were taken in that movie paid off 100%. And uh, definitely make it worthy of, of year-end lists. Yeah, yeah never, uh, never, if, uh, at least that's the lesson I learned, is if I show up to my Airbnb and someone's there, I'm just going to say, hey, that plus the rental, uh, you know, I, I just say, you know what, I'm going to, I'll find another. Oh, God. That was the most stressful movie I watched all year. <laughs> that movie that was, was the most stressful. That was a good one, too. All right. So my number seven was, or is, uh, Prey the uh, the new Predator movie that came out on Hulu. Uh, I don't know. Did you see that one? I did not. 
Wow. Yeah, this uh, this was one of the this I, I'd put it right with Pearl in that this was a absolute surprise. Uh, when I had first heard that a new Predator movie was being made, I was like, okay, because the last Predator movie was not that good. And uh, after you know hearing the background of this, which was this is a prequel film of when Predator first came to onto Earth, basically, and landed in the plain, the Great Plains of North America during uh, Native American times. Uh, I was like, oh, now that sounds really interesting. But then I started thinking, oh, well, how do how can Native Americans fight back against the Predator? And that's all I'll say on that, because the movie centers around a- Amber Midthunder's performance as Naru. She's a uh, um, kind of like a, she's not a princess, but she's a um, really strong fighter. I think the best quality that she has and what I would put her in best uh, best actor or actress category for the year um specifically because to everything that happens to her she's a great problem solver and critical thinker so just seeing her take on the predator in this movie was a force to be reckoned with just to see the ingenuity that she has in order to stop it because this guy is very futuristic in terms of the weapons that he has and she uh, we also get to see, uh, and the only thing I will spoil, which you know, we had an episode on it, but she crafts a, uh, she's like really good at throwing tomahawks, but okay. she starts to see like the frustration of throwing them and missing and throwing them and having to go get them. And so she creates a, uh, she like grabs a, a small rope and ties it around the tomahawk so that she's basically like throwing this tomahawk and then pulling it back to her so that she never loses her tomahawks. But the, like the fighting that she ends up doing with this tomahawk is just absolutely insane. That's just one thing. But um, like I said, completely out of the blue film, had no business being as good as it did. They did not have to go that hard, but they did. So my hope is that future films, uh, or future filmmakers really take both Pearl and Prey uh, as, hey, you know, we can try something different. We can do something a little out of the ordinary and make an even better film versus relying on the past and relying on the tropes of, you know, the prior sequel, so to speak. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. Did not. I didn't know that about this movie, the whole Native American aspect. That's really cool. I have not seen this, uh, but your description makes me interested. Yeah, and it's short, too. It's only an hour and 40 minutes. So okay. um, it's, it's literally, it reminds me, honestly, Stevie, it's like... A, almost like a Terrence Malick Predator movie because there's just a lot of shots of, you know, open plains and mountainscapes of, you know, the Great Plains of the U.S., basically. And uh, and obviously uh, shots of a ship crash landing there to enact its doom. But, uh, yeah, it was... I love that movie. I watched... I think I watched it three times. Oh, very cool. Yeah. All right, what do you got as number six? Number six for me is a movie we just watched, The Banshees of Inisherin. Ooh, nice. It's, um, I can't remember the name of the director. It's the guy. Uh, Martin McDonough. Yeah. But, you know, you got Colin Farrell, who I love, and his his old pal. Uh, Brendan Gleeson. Brendan Gleeson. Couldn't remember which Gleeson it was. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, very uh, dark, funny movie about old friends when one decides he just doesn't want to be the other one's friend anymore uh really funny premise for a a drama and yeah there's a lot of great comedy just through these actors of course same as in bruges had Mm -hmm. and yeah it just it it spirals so extremely into 
this really bizarre territory with uh, Brendan Gleeson's decisions and <laughs> how to handle yeah. trying to get rid of his friend. Uh, just because he's dull, he just doesn't want to talk to him anymore. He's old. He wants to devote his time to uh, writing music, writing a piece of music called The Banshees of Insurin or Inisherin. But <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's a funny movie. It's it's simple. It's set on a remote uh, Irish island. I love the way the characters talk. I love. I think it's set in it's like the 1930s ish or something, early 1900s. Yeah, early 1900s. But yeah, just a it's a very cool movie. Uh, definitely one that I w- I had no idea going into it what it was going to be about, aside from the fact that it was sort of a uh, a what do you call it like a reunion of the Imbruge folks. So I knew it was going to be good, and mm-hmm. I was right. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that as well. Uh, didn't make my list either, but uh, hey, that's what that's what variety and diversity are all about, right? You know keep some on the list some don't, don't get on the list but you're you're right i think one of my favorite things about that movie was uh how everyone was just so okay with walking and i like in a good way like it felt like every scene was oh you gotta go we gotta go back to town or we gotta go you know when his sister walks all the way home and then they're like oh you know he's going crazy at the bar and then she has to come all the way back to the bar and they don't ever show them fully walking but i was just like man to live on an island like that and just be constantly like Burying yourself to different spots. I, I'd kind of go crazy too, the way that Brendan Gleeson did. Yeah. Oh, totally understandable when you're on this isolated island. So funny. You're dull. You're just dull. You're just dull. It's nothing. There's nothing wrong with you. I just. <laughs> and then every time he tries to argue with like why he's not, it's just he becomes more dull. Uh, so funny. Okay, mine's uh, completely not in that wheelhouse for my number six, which is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, so I, I I can't see if you're rolling your eyes, Stevie, but uh, I love this <laughs> no, movie. I, yeah, it's fine. It uh, I really what I enjoyed most about it was this was in my opinion. And I'm gonna double check my math in my head, but I'm pretty sure this is basically Marvel's first like scary movie or Halloween type movie. And so I'm just glad that now I have something that is superhero-y that I can watch at a certain time of the year. And it's uh, directed by Sam Raimi, too. Uh, and I'm a sucker for Sam Raimi. So um, just to like I, I watched it a, like a month ago or so and uh, just loved it. It's short, so it's easy to get through. Scarlet Witch is one of my favorite characters. And so I love how big a part she plays in this movie. Um, the multiverse is always something that I'm fascinated with. Hopefully we get even more of it going forward. But um, but I loved it. I loved this movie. It was one of my uh, faves of the year. Yeah, I, I liked it. And like you said, I loved the Halloween aspect of it. I thought it was, you know, it was definitely different from other Marvel movies. I It still, you know, ultimately didn't add up to much for me. It wasn't enough to really get it above the, any of these other ones. But I, sure. I enjoyed it, too. I enjoyed the Sam Raimi touch on this, for sure. I also think I... I fell asleep for a chunk of it in the theater, and that's that's on me. So <laughs> that I missed, but no, it was it wasn't bad. I I am not upset with you including it because I did kind of like it. Even even what I saw of it, I did kind of like. Mm-hmm. I still thought it was pretty good. So, all right, what do you got for uh, number cinco? Number five for me, top five is the menu. Ooh, I I don't know if. I'm guessing this maybe didn't make your list, but uh, the menu is a little horror thriller with Ray Fiennes, also known as Ralph Fiennes. That's right. 
and uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, who's, you know, in everything this year. And also there's uh, an actress who is in both uh, The Menu and The Whale. Um, but anyway, this is a movie about a sort of psycho chef who runs this um, one-on-a-lifetime experience of a restaurant that the ultra-wealthy go to visit for this experiential dinner experience. I don't want to give away too much, but you know it's a horror movie. Uh, things go south very quickly. And I don't know. It's just I have not seen any culinary movies, and I certainly haven't seen a culinary movie gone evil. <laughs> it sort of turns into a horror movie. Yeah. So I love that as sort of uncharted territory. And I thought, you know, the performances are really great. I, I just I love how pretentious the whole meal part is, but also the fact that the movie is very obviously making fun of that. Like the fact that one of the courses that this guy serves is a a bread plate with no bread on it, just uh, different dipping sauces telling the people there, bread is peasant food. You guys are all super rich. You don't get bread. You just get the essence of bread, <laughs> essentially, which is so funny. And some people at the restaurant are like, oh, my God, it's brilliant. And Anya Taylor-Joy is kind of our vessel who's like, this is so stupid and so self-indulgent. Um but yeah, and it, of course, veers into bizarre horror territory, cult territory. And yeah, it's just, it's a very fun movie. And I, yeah, I didn't have a whole lot of expectation going into it. I know it looked cool from the trailer, but yeah, it was, it was a great ride. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you're right. Did not make my list, but uh, this was one of my favorite movie going experiences of the year because um, this was the, uh, we actually saw the menu the night that you got engaged, because uh, we got, we got so excited about the news that we were like, we got to go do something. And so we went to this really fun bar, played pool, played darts. Um, and we were like, okay, we need to go get some food. And so we, we decided to go to Sonic. And right next to Sonic is the, uh, the movie tavern which we never go to. And we were just like, well, let's just go to the movie tavern. And so we just kind of waltzed over there. And literally, uh, the movie was starting in like six minutes. And so talk about movie times. We were like, oh, this is perfect. Because we had talked about, oh, you know, I kind of want to see this movie. And so, yeah, we went and saw it. The food was amazing. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It just, you know, did the same thing. Didn't get me, get me up in the list, but uh, I really enjoyed it for all those same reasons that you did. Um, and I loved, I'm a huge culinary food guy too, when it comes to film. So it was nice to see another food movie. Yeah. It was very cool. Nice. Okay. Uh, all right. So my number five, uh, you've mentioned this a little earlier, but it is the Batman. Mm, um, okay. same, basically same reasons as you. I, uh, I loved the detective aspect of this. I think detective Batman is one of my favorite Batman's just cause I'm always a sucker for solving mysteries. So um, seeing him get to do that, getting to have him more in the bat suit than being Bruce Wayne was really nice as well. Um, no disrespect to Pattinson, and I thought he did a great job, but it's just, you know, we've seen Batman so many times now on screen that it's, for this to be successful, it had to be a little bit different. And I think it, I think it achieved that. But like you said, Paul Dano was insane. Um, Selena Kyle, or I guess that's uh, Zoe Kravitz. She did such a good job as Catwoman too. Like all the actors were great. The the movie was great. It flew by. The when you talk about a dark movie or a movie that's, um, you know, they criticize some of DC for being. This one was a perfect dark movie. Like I I thought it served the plot of it being that way all the time. 
of this being a younger Batman, yeah. uh, and then him kind of coming to terms with who who Batman even is by the end of the movie, right? Like, what is it that he stands for? What is it that he wants to be? Um, so all of that I thought was great. And then obviously the score, this was one of my favorite scores of the year from Michael Giacchino. I thought that it was just awesome. Yeah, really good movie. Um, and I think you're right about the darkness. It was very seedy. And I think you kind of have to do that with Batman because he's just a guy fighting crime. So Yeah, exactly. There's going to be some, some seedy stuff. Yeah. Numero four. All right, number four for me is a movie that you mentioned already which is pearl Ooh, nice uh yeah i i saw x i picked up x as sort of a blind buy from target just because it looked interesting i knew it had kid cuddy it was a 24 horror i figured it, surely it's good and it was good and then i saw that pearl was coming out the prequel to x and i thought well, you know what this will be interesting because i feel like the backstory behind that character in X was probably the thing that intrigued me the most because it was this very weird, creepy old Hollywood kind of lady who wanted to be a star. Mm-hmm. I was like, that that actually seems cool to get her backstory. As much as I know you're the guy who loves those connected universes, the lore, I typically don't go for that, but I thought it was cool here because like I said, in X, I was intrigued by that character. And yeah, I thought Pearl absolutely blew X out of the water. I loved the commitment to that uh, old Hollywood type of aesthetic. Like you said, it was set in the early 1900s, 1920s, whatever it was. And yeah, they, they did a great job nailing that, uh, that era, that feel with the production design. And Mia Goth did an amazing job in her performance. Because mm-hmm. uh, it, it's horror, but it's also, it's more psychological horror. Because, you know, yeah. X is a slasher. We know that she's just this crazy psycho killer but pearl we don't know that yet we just know that she's this troubled girl and we see her just psychologically slipping into that and it's really terrifying in its own way very different from like most of the horror movies that i've seen this year or any other year and yeah it was just cool because we already knew it was going to happen eventually it was just a matter of how we're going to get there Mm -hmm. and yeah really really awesome movie to me the only thing i didn't like about this movie is that i ordered it online from target when they had a sale and it never showed up and they refunded my order but i cannot get that sale price again so i'm just bummed that i don't have it dang yeah you gotta keep your eyes on amazon i think it might have gone down a little bit there i did i snagged mine from target i got i got lucky um but i think that was you you were in that buying from target online phase i think are you still doing that or are you going in store no, I do some, it just depends if I don't want to leave the house. And that was really what that one was. Cause usually it's fine, but I had some hiccup with UPS for about a month where that's right. they weren't recognizing my address. Cause I had the tux for the wedding was supposed to get here and it never did. It, both of those packages got returned to sender. I think Joey still owes me like $60 for the Pokemon game that he ordered for me that never mm, did. Joey, so, did you hear that? Yeah. If, if Joey, if you're listening, I'm going to, the Piper's coming. Uh oh, and he's got quite the tune. Yeah. Wow. But Pearl, okay. Pearl's fantastic movie, definitely the better of the two. Yeah. And one that I would love to rewatch because it's it's just a great psychological horror thriller. It was. There's and you know what it is, and it's funny too. With with uh, there's got to be a theme with this because I think right now the uh, the nine the early 1900s from like 1900 to 1930 is really being mined in cinema. 
and to, I would say, good effect, because you've got All Quiet on the Western Front, you've got Pearl, you've got, uh, what was the other one? Oh, Amsterdam is also during that time. Banshees of Inishirin is during that time. Um, it's just, I don't know, there's just that that aesthetic of, and they did it in, there was another movie, that, well, they were doing it in Glass Onion, but um, of just like wearing masks during that time, I just, I thought that that was really cool to see how they captured that because you know people got so up in arms about all of that but it's like people probably did that back in the day so that they wouldn't die from you know whatever plague was going through at the time what the masks yeah yeah and yeah i love i thought that was really cool because again like you said reflecting the pandemic stuff but we'd heard about the fact that the flu was going around and whatever it was like the spanish influenza or something like that yeah but yeah that was a very cool aspect it wasn't overdone it just as, as many movies as we that I've probably seen set in that era, this might be the first one I've seen that actually had that as I guess I don't know if you'd call it an Easter egg, but just finding us that that sort of thing did happen at some point. Right, because I think you know you get to it's the same as you haven't seen Glass Onion yet, have you? Correct, not yet. Yeah, um, and it's the same there. I've, obviously, that movie takes place in present day, but they did the whole mask thing in it, and I thought it was really well done. Um, for that same reason, like, you know, all these movies, everyone's wearing masks on set, but then the minute the movie goes, it's like, okay, everyone take your masks off. So you're not really capturing that moment in time. Uh, but it, it's nice to be reminded that, yeah, this is, you know, history is just repeating itself. Like this has happened before. Okay. Yeah. Does that, does that bring us to number four? Um, you got to do your number four. Yeah, Pearl was my number four. Oh, oh, well, that's perfect, because my number four is Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. There we go. So, uh, holy cow, this was another one of those, of course, you know, they'd wait till the last minute to release this movie. Um, this was also one of the biggest missteps of the year, because Netflix released this movie in theaters for one week and then took it away, and it came on streaming at the end of the month. In that week... It, it made the top 10. I think it was like the number three movie. Uh, th- this movie could have easily made some really big numbers had they left it in theaters for a normal runtime. And they've admitted as such, but it's just, it's another one of those instances that just blows my mind at how dumb these streamers are. Of Like, oh, we'll release this movie in theaters that does terrible, but this other movie that's really good we'll just release on streaming. And it it's like they don't understand their own business plans, but... Uh, sure enough, the movie itself was awesome. Uh, I was a huge fan of Knives Out, and uh, the only similarity between this and that is that it's another really great mystery, and Benoit Blanc is in it, uh, Daniel Craig's character. Uh, but the the concept of this one is this group of eclectic friends all receive this puzzle box. It's a really big box, and you'd probably love this, Stevie. Like the, the, all these puzzles they have to solve that end up leading to an invitation to this guy's island who's like an old friend and he's doing a murder mystery party and that's all i'll say because there's like so many twists and turns in it but it's basically this big old group of puzzle solvers who are going here to solve this thing so um i really enjoyed it it's on netflix it flew by you know the script was amazing ryan uh, ryan johnson is just so good at these scripts that he does but also the directing was impeccable too so he's two for two when it comes to these knives out movies and i hope hope we get another one too just because the mystery keeps it going yeah i i really like knives out and i'm excited to watch this one I haven't yet but i'm certain when i do it would probably make my top 10 so 
I'm looking forward to that whenever I find the time. All righty. Lot top three. Here we are. Number three, uh, the movie with the scariest title to come out this year, which is Men. Ooh. Uh, Men is the newest movie from Alex Garland, the guy who brought us uh, Annihilation, one of my all-time favorites mm-hmm. at this point, and Ex Machina. Uh, this is a really cool uh, psychological sci-fi kind of horror movie. Um, don't want to give too too much away but basic plot is that this woman who's um i don't i can't remember if she's she's either recently divorced or separated or grieving maybe the i can't remember if it's the death or just the separation from her husband and she she's basically at this airbnb out in the country in england and she's in this bizarre town where for some reason um every man in town is played by the same actor which is kind of a bizarre effect um that in itself is i mean it's its own enigma i I can't really explain i haven't taken the time to read up on this as to why that is but it's unsettling there's even like a like a teenager that's the same actor (laughs) it's weird but you know she's just trying to get away from everything and um you know, in interesting fashion, her life is being impeded on by all these different men in different ways. And um, the the sort of direction that this goes towards the end, the sort of creepy um, sci-fi aspect of it that comes later, it's very bizarre, very, I guess, artistic would be the right word. But I mean, based on, you know, Annihilation, for example, you know, in that movie, it went into these crazy, weird directions. Um, those ones, I think, made a little more sense. This one is more artistic in the approach. It's more uh, metaphorical what happens, but it's mm. absolutely unforgettable to watch some of the craziest things I've seen in a movie this year or in most years. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it is, it's is—it's a really interesting movie, the way that um, all these different men are in this town that she's staying in. It's very creepy. Wow. Yeah, I got it. That was one that I, it's still on my watch list. hasn't come anywhere streaming yet. I may may have to rent it or something because I know I remember you saying you really liked it and you know we're suckers for A24 movies so I, I gotta get to it yeah definitely watch it I'd love to hear what you think mm-hmm. um, so going from what sounds like an all male cast to an almost completely all female cast for my number three uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever um, this uh, and I think you saw this one we saw this with us um, I love this movie. I did not think that I was going to love it as much as I did, and it took me a little bit of time to do so after getting over everything about it, you know, because of Chadwick Boseman's passing. Uh, but I, I did. I love, you know, the soundtrack. I still listen to the soundtrack almost every day. Uh, the score is incredible as well, and uh, just the you know Ryan Coogler being able to direct this film with what he had, the story that they had planned, and then had to pivot and change to be something else. The uh, but then on top of that, like all the cultural stuff with Namor and his people, uh, everything you know, all the new stuff we learn about Wakanda as well, and just where this sets things up going forward for the future is just really fascinating. And that I'm really glad we got uh, an entire film, a very long film, about grieving for an actor. I don't think we've ever gotten anything like that before in cinema, uh, and maybe we have, and I'm just not remembering it. But I think recently, especially with this create a universe and you have instances where people like William Hurt pass away and are immediately recast their decision to not do that for this character 
um, was really honestly it was cool to see play out on screen. I'm very interested to see where that goes in the future. If that sort of thing happens anytime an actor passes away, or if it's only because it was Chadwick or whatever the case may be, um, I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of weight to this film, and I don't think it crumbles under that weight. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, well, first of all, as far as the uh, elegy movie, if you could call it that, I would point to uh, that one Fast and Furious movie when Paul. Oh, Walker died. Yeah, right, Paul. Yeah, that's that's what it would remind me of the most. And I like I kind of disagree because I feel like this movie did not spend as much time with Chadwick as I thought it would. I think because I mean, right from the beginning of the movie, he's we open with like he's in critical condition basically and dies right. off screen and there's a funeral and then that's kind of it. And they're just kind of going about their business with, you know, Namor and whatever. I don't know. It, it didn't have the impact for me that I feel like it had for a lot of people. Maybe I, I don't know why that is, but it just less anticipation. Maybe. Yeah. That could be. Yeah. Because, yeah, I know, I mean, there was, that had been something that a lot of us were thinking about for years of, like, what are they going to do? They should just recast. Maybe they shouldn't recast. Or now they're saying they're not, like, following it and being as close to it as I was, I think is probably why. Otherwise, if I had not thought about it once, I'm sure I would have probably been with you in that regard of, like, oh, you know. And I agree. I think I think the way they did it was fine. And you're, you're right. They didn't show a lot of it, which was also good because... You can't like the whole point of this movie is, is about grief and about moving on and moving forward. And you can't do that when you're hanging on to the past. So I'm, I'm glad that we have a movie that's essentially a tribute to him. Uh, and in that sense, yeah, you're right. I think fast, I think that's fast seven um, is kind of a tribute to Paul Walker in that sense too. So yeah, very similar in that regard. Yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> hmm. Okay. So number two, I wonder we, I know we we, think we talked yeah. about this prior. Hmm. Uh, is is yours the same as mine still? I think we uh, I think we've got two in a row here that are the same, which well, is going to work out well. So we can kind of do this hand in hand here. But I like that. I, I, I'm going to confidently say that our number two movie of the year is The Northman. Like yes. That. Yes. Northman is a great uh, Norse Nordic movie, whatever you'd want to call it. It's it's a retelling of Hamlet set in uh, Norse mythology. It is actually the basis of what Hamlet was based on. Okay. But yeah, story of Hamlet set in uh, Norse mythology. You've got, uh, I'm trying to remember, you got Ethan Hawke plays dad. You got our favorite uh, movie-going queen, Nicole, Nicole Kidman. Kidman. His mom. And then... Uh, Amleth himself is played by one of the Scars guards. I can't remember. Oh, Alexander. And Anya Taylor-Joy is in it as well. And Willem Dafoe. That's right. But yeah, really cool kind of... I, I describe this as something of a quest movie where mm-hmm. the character has this objective, this ultimate objective, and we just know that that's what is... That's what we're headed toward. That's going to be basically how it ends. We know that that is what needs to be accomplished. And then all the other sort of side quests or things that happen along the way. Maybe I'm thinking of this in too much of like video game terms, but it kind of um, is though. Yeah, it reminded me of another movie I loved from last year. I think it was uh, The Green Knight. Yes. Which I think I like The Green Knight a little more than this one, but same sort of thing where it's like we establish very early on this quest that needs to be accomplished, 
and you know the just crazy things that ensue along that journey and it is an epic journey that this guy takes very crazy um i guess violence and battles and he's just a he's a tank he's just he's very set on the objective he's an animal he's he's i don't remember if they call him the bear or the wolf but yeah he uh there's i mean there's so much to love about this movie and there's so much to fear about this movie too he uh he's a terrifying man and uh, you get to really see that that deconstruction of man throughout this because there's you know those bits where they are kind of uh, relying on their baser instincts essentially when they're howling like wolves before the night before their battle where they're murdering innocent women and children uh to that point to get to the end of you know now you know he's with Andy Taylor Joy and he hasn't completed his quest and she's begging him you know I'm pregnant please and in classic fashion says no and man, I yeah, gotta- she offers him that out and he's like wait a minute what what have I said why am I here in the first place? I got a mission to accomplish. I have to go. I have to go kill this guy, and yeah. of course, that leads to his ultimate doom, which is the tragedy of the tale of Hamlet. I imagine, um, but just again to see that all and the pain of watching that, of seeing where you know, like you can see where his doom is, and you know nothing is going to stop him from getting there, and, and yeah. you know perishing in a, in a blaze of glory which back then i'm sure was a very uh, high prize to have but these days uh we're well, a yeah, to, get into, to get into valhalla you have to die in battle so right um but I, I i'm not caught up i'm not brushed up on my shakespeare but i don't think hamlet ended with a uh, a naked sword fight at the gates of hell Mm, no, and I, it, we would know more about Hamlet if it did. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> all I gotta say is that is that old Bill Shakespeare over there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, no, that movie is just great. And then this this is another movie where the score is just insane. Uh, I have that one on iTunes, and I love it. It's uh, just again the very ancient sounds of. Uh, and this is another, I mean, it's not technically the early 1900s, it's the early hundreds, because this takes place in like nine, was it like either 900 AD or something like that? Uh, but yeah, no, just incredible movie, incredible performances, really sucks you in. Robert Eggers, who who's the uh, director of this, he also did The Lighthouse and he did The Witch. He's very, very good at sucking you into a time period both through the dialect, through the production design, through the script. It's just <clears throat> really incredible. So this was, yeah, definitely up there. Uh, okay, so our number one film, I think I can confidently speak for the two of us on this. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, the uh, Daniels, the Daniels uh, directed and written film starring uh, Michelle Yeoh and Kihi Kwan and Stephanie Su uh, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, yeah, Stevie, I mean, we've got, I've got a whole episode on everything, everywhere at once. So let me hear from you. What, what made this your number one movie of the year? You know, I, I feel like I saw a trailer. I can't remember, but yeah, we definitely watched the trailer and I convinced um, my fiance, my now fiance to go along. Cause I was like, I feel like you're going to like this movie. It looks very cool. It's, you know, it looks super creative, imaginative. And, you know, obviously we're dealing with this multiverse theme that I'm, frankly tired of i've it's it's become such a buzzword not just in hollywood but you know the tech genre in general we talk about the metaverse all this different stuff and you know we saw the you know you already mentioned dr strange and his multiverse of madness 
but this movie does that. Um, but at its core, it's this family story. Um, that, like we mentioned uh, in the Turning Red, or what I was kind of getting at there, this one deals with generational trauma and the sort of cultural expectations for um, you know Asian American immigrant families, and you know the strength of that story really binds this together through all the craziness that happens with the multiverse stuff and the performances are really good i love um i love the daughter she does a great job Mm -hmm. she also plays the villain in you know other versions or one particular version of this multiverse that's trying to take over all the others and then of course her dad being the guy who played short round i didn't recognize that or realize that until after the movie i think but he does an amazing job. And my my tagline for this movie is the joke that we love to make that the world is hard on silly men. Yes. That's all he is. He's just a guy that's trying to brighten everyone's day. And Those googly against, eyes. Yeah, he's up against um, you know, the mother and daughter in this family, and there's tension there because of these expectations and you know, it is rooted of course in the expectations that uh, the mother's father put on her. And, you know, it's just it's very well executed that family stuff and the sort of, I mean, the special effects and all the craziness of it is really well executed too. I don't think any of it was too over the top. Like obviously there's comedy and some extreme things that happen, but it all kind of makes sense in the context of things. Um, I especially love, there's a scene in the movie where we find ourselves in a universe where the, the characters are rocks we just yes. have this like silent scene where the rocks are talking to each other. That's really cool. That's the sort of thing that, you know, the Doctor Strange, I feel like, you know, it was like, yeah, we have these multiverses, but they're they're all not that different from each other. It's just kind of here's one where Doctor Strange lives in a spooky castle and, you know, shoots music at you or something. Right. Whereas in this movie it's like, well, here's one where everyone has hot dogs for fingers. Here's one where people are just rocks. Here's one where Rakakuni is uh, a <laughs> Rakakuni is not only a, a real concept, but a real creature. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, a very moving movie. It was, you know, definitely one that's going to have you laughing. Definitely one that's going to have you crying. And I love kind of like RRR where I said, you know, being able to balance those different emotions. This movie does it perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This, I, I'm saying it now and I said it when I saw the movie that this is, should be Oscar Best Picture for the year um, for so many different reasons. You know, the, the budget is way less than many other films, and yet look what they pulled off with it. I, I all constantly think about those shots of Michelle Yeoh where it's just hundreds of universes superimposed with her face where she's, like, going through, and, you know, she's in the one where she's spinning the, um, the sign that allows her then to spin the riot shield and... Uh, gosh, there's just, there's not a wasted moment in this movie, even though the movie is two hours and 20 minutes long. Um, everything about it just rings so true. The mother-daughter relationship, kind of like you were saying too. The the fa- the husband and wife relationship is also really powerful too, because yeah. we get to see variations of their downfall and their, their rise in different universes. So they kind of see, um, and you're right, Stevie, the world is hard on silly men. And um, that's something that I think we have to suffer through every day in our lives. And so to see that played out, to have those Wong Kar Wai call-outs, especially oh, love, yeah, as we started watching some too. of those movies, like they they paid so much attention and homage to so many different films 
both from like Asian cinema, but also just from cinema in general. And uh, yeah, there's just, there's a lot to love about that movie. It had me in tears both times I've seen it. And uh, I can't wait to watch it again. Yep. I would agree completely. Definitely yeah. the movie of the year for okay. me. I would be kind of pleasantly surprised if it got Best Picture. I don't know if it's winning elsewhere, but so it's it got nominated for you know any almost everything that it could be nominated for in uh, the Golden Globes, okay. which uh, bodes really well for the Oscars. I would say. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I'm very I'm okay. very hopeful. <laughs> I know, like I know, the Northman's probably not going to get a lot of love, and neither will the Marvel movies or Prey or anything. So, like, my money is on everything, everywhere being that one that finally breaks through. Of like, okay, it's kind of a superhero movie, um, but at the same time, it covers so many other genres that it just—I don't know. To me, this this movie is cinema. So, um, if you haven't seen it, you got to check it out. Yeah, between you and I, Alex, I feel like neither of us really talked about many of what I would consider the the very likely Oscar candidates for the year, the sort of typical Oscar candidates, movies like Babylon or the Fablemans. I haven't seen either of those. Yeah, man, neither I think the whale is maybe the one where I watched it knowing that this was like one of the Oscar type of movies. Yeah. Those movies, and it sucks because those, I feel like those movies are a peg below the others because I want, even when I'm walking in to see them and I'm thinking about the Oscar contention uh, it just, I don't know, it sours my viewing of the film because, as you know, and as we've talked about many times on here, you can tell Oscar bait when you see it. And it just, to me, it, it ruins the experience of watching, having to spend my time watching a movie that I know is going to get awarded but doesn't really deserve to be there versus some of these other films that are actually trying new things versus just relying on the old blueprints of what, get you know, the Green Book method. Yeah. And I, you know, as far as the whale's concerned, I feel like it's almost in that category. But again, this the story being told, I think, is unique. Yeah. Like I don't. I that's don't like that's kind of like. The, did you see Coda? That. No, I still haven't seen Coda. Uh, Coda is the same way, where the you know the plot is incredibly basic, but the characters, the story itself, is a little different. Yeah. And um, so I was happy when that one won Best Picture. Yeah, I, I still want to see that one of these days. I gotta figure out the uh, free trial subscription for you know, Apple TV. Mm. I won't watch that in Severance. Oh, and you got you to watch Ted Lasso. Mm. Hmm. I love the streaming wars. Love how inaccessible so many things become. Oh, I, I know. It's it's insane. There's never, and there's never enough. Uh, okay, well, Stevie, to wrap up, uh, any any particular things you're looking forward to in this new year? Um, As far as movies are concerned, like I said, yeah. I want to catch up on some of these ones i missed i think glass onion is at the top of my list uh there's other ones i want to see like bullet train i i have this sort of one. sick desire to see don't worry darling i know there's a lot of weird press surrounding that movie that was a good one too though that was a good sci-fi one you'll probably like that one if i have the time you know maybe i'll one day watch the uh, the long ones like babylon or Avatar, which didn't make your list. And, um, Avatar was a couple okay spots below it. I had it at... Uh, so basically, I had... After Nope was Avatar. After Avatar was The Menu. Gotcha. Okay. So, just in terms of some other movies. Yeah, I think Glass Onion would be my number one that I'm looking forward to watching. I don't I don't really know too far in advance about what's coming out next year. I'm, I'm still kind of walking blindly through the forest. 
Yeah, there's a there's a there's a good swath of sequels and remakes coming out for sure. I know more about the bigger ticket tent poles that you know they've already got movie dates versus the uh, um, you know these sort of fresh faced Oscar bait ones that you know you don't find out about until midway through the year. But I know just off the top of my head, the the sequel to The Nun comes out next year, The Nun Two. Oh God, which I'm I didn't watch The Nun, so that one's not on my list. But mm-hmm. The Nun Two, Get a Ruler, that's what it's called. Yeah, The Nun Two, None of Your Business. None of your business. Or Back uh, in the Habit, I think that's. Yeah, breaking breaking bad habits. I love Back in the Habit. That's a good. <laughs> they need to be listening to this. They. Uh... We need we need more sister act movies. That's right. We need a sister act nun mashup where Whoopi Goldberg is having to fight the nun. And it's called Sinister Sister. Yeah, ooh, there you go. Oh, man. Hollywood needs to call us. We'll, uh, we'll make, make them hey, some my phone is My phone is always available. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm buzzing off the hook, so just leave me a message. Yeah. Shoot me a text. Well, Stevie, thank you so much for coming on. I'm glad this was our... Uh, uh, this is basically the last uh, episode of Comics and Cinema for 2022, recorded on the first day of 2023. So happy new year to you and to all of you out there listening as well. But thanks again for taking some time to come on, especially when you're not feeling well. Of course. Happy new year to you as well and to the audience. I uh, hope you guys, uh, if you haven't heard of any of these movies or you hear us talk about one that you like, I'd love to love to put you on. That's what we do it for. That's right. Absolutely. So hopefully you all found a couple of movies here that you're going to add to your list to watch and uh, keep it here as we move into 2023 for comics and cinema. I don't know what will be in store, but obviously we will have some content for you guys out there. I know we know you love your content. So uh, <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> Happy New Year for comics and cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, uh, and we'll see you at the movies.